This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Sports to the Max, News Talk 830 WCCO. Um, the sport was eliminated, but the sport moves on. Men's gymnastics at the University of Minnesota was a casualty last year when they eliminated some sports. That doesn't mean that there's still not participation, there's still not a way to do it, but it certainly makes life more complicated. Mike Burns is the head coach of that team, a team that still participates in a different way. Uh, at the club level and beyond. And he joins us now uh, to what has been an interesting six months in his life. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Mackie. T- take me back d- to the, the the painful day when you got the news. D- did you see it coming? What, what, what did it feel like from where you stood at that point in time? <laughs> well, honestly, you know, our sport of gymnastics has been a casualty over the, over the decades that I've been involved. So I guess... I guess you could say I've always been kind of looking over my shoulder, but uh, I, I wasn't anticipating it. It was kind of a shock, and kind of leaves you very hollow and uh, kind of unappreciated, maybe. But um, you know, we we carried on. We did a good job this past year. We had our final season of out of 118 of them, and we had a great finish. We finished uh, fifth in the nation at the NCAA championships yep. that we hosted at the Pavilion, and um, you know, our guys had a record team GPA, uh, highest men's team GPA last spring at the 3.72. So I was really proud of how they, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, carried on and uh, kept the chin high and went out on a high note. What was it like to coach in a lame duck season? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, nobody's ever asked me that. That's a good question. But, uh, you know, when you come in the gym and you kind of figure, let's just focus on what is at this moment. Uh, then it's, it's no different, you know. It's it was when you sit back and you take a big picture look. Yeah, you start to think about that, and it's the end of it all. But on a day to day basis, you're just going in and trying to make sure these guys can try to get a little better each day. And if you can get a little better today than you were yesterday, then you move in the right direction. What were their conversations like? Are are, are they, was it easy for them to focus? Or are they are they talking about hey maybe we can save the sport or I'm going to transfer? You know, what was that like? Well, you know, there was a lot of a lot of those. Uh, distractions, I guess you will. And we just tried to find a way to compartmentalize them and, and deal with them when we needed to deal with them. And, you know, don't deal with them when we don't need to deal with them. And, you know, we had we ended up with three guys, well, two guys transferring. One guy uh, finished school early in August, and he ended up going to grad school at the University of Illinois. So we got one guy at Nebraska, one guy at Michigan, and one guy at Illinois. So we, got, we were able to get three guys put into really good programs. And they're, you know, doing their thing with a different color jersey on and uh, and that's a hard thing for them. They, they've been accepted into their new teams like like really really well. And our gymnastics communities are really tight, close knit communities. So there was no no problem with that. And I got to see two um, I got to see two of them this weekend at the Windy City Invitational down in Chicago. Crew Bold from Michigan and 
David Pachinka down at uh, University of Illinois. So it was just awesome. It was like a big homecoming, and um, it was just a really good feeling of, of uh, camaraderie in the gymnastics community when I walked into that gym, and everybody came up to me, and it was like a I felt like I was at the wedding receiving line. You know, everybody yeah. was coming up to see how I was doing and uh, concerned, and I said, you know what, it's going to take a lot more than this to knock me down. That is so cool. Mike Burns is our guest. What do you learn about yourself? When, you know, they take an opportunity like that away, and let's be honest, with the state, as you mentioned, the national decline of gymnastics and sports like it, it's not like you're just going to jump over and find another job overnight. I mean, a lot has to happen to find something like you had here. Uh, What did you you learn about you? Uh, I learned that I'm a pretty resilient son of a gun, and um, like I just said, you know, it's going to take a lot more than something like this to to knock me down, but, uh, you know, it did, it did bring me down a notch and it's just a matter of kind of readjusting. And you know what it forced me to do, Maxie, it forced me to take all the advice that I had been given my guys over the years about dealing with adversity and managing tough times and put it in practice. And it was like, you know, I'm re- I'm really glad that I can, uh, live the philosophy I've been teaching. So I think it was a really good, uh, personal development moment for me. And, and, you know, it's, it's there's lots of moments and lots of ebb and flow to emotion after you part ways with anybody, and whether it's a firing, a divorce, a program that doesn't, you know, that that, that gets eliminated, uh, and it's those quiet moments when you're all alone. You know, when people are there to tell you it's all going to be okay, and you've got company, that's one thing. But it's those moments when you're driving a car by yourself at night, etc. Uh, when you really test yourself to find out, you know, how can I bring myself back up to to just a place that I need to be. But doesn't it come back to reinforce what you probably, you know, you talked about teaching, but that attitude becomes everything? Without a doubt. You know, and it's it's your personal life philosophy. It's your attitude. You know, if I hadn't been a guy who's who's been extremely positive my whole life, this might have been a whole lot different experience for me. But, um, you know, I, I kind of look at my life as walking down a hotel corridor and you go, okay, let's see what's in this room. And in this particular room, I spent 16 years as a head coach at the University of Minnesota. Okay, now i got to leave the room and walk down the hall, and I'm going to go into the next room. And that's kind of how I've, I've viewed my life. And while it's, while it's at a time in my life when I'm, you know, <laughs> moving towards that retirement age, but I, I feel like i got 10 more good years in me, Mike. You know, I'll be, I'll be 64 next year, and uh, most people would be thinking about this is the end of things. I'm thinking this is just the beginning. <laughs> and uh, I got a lot of energy. I got a lot of enthusiasm, and I get that from uh, just the you know my my parents and my family. And I think that's been something again that I've been able to tap into and and rely upon. And, you know, I think everybody in this life has to have a toolbox full of tools to cope. And how do you cope? Well, you you manage it by surrounding yourself with good people, challenging yourself to you know bring yourself to a different level of of what it is you like to do, and. I think part of it is I've enjoyed my life as a coach for so long that I never feel like we never really felt like it was a job, right? It was a passionate thing that I like to do, and I felt very fortunate to do that, and I'm still doing it. You know, we got, like you said, we got the guys, um, we got a group of seven kids that are trained. Yeah, right explain now. this because you're still participating as a club team, and what can you participate in? What are you allowed to do? Where are you allowed to train? How does this work? Yeah, well, we have this new league that was formed about maybe five, six years ago called GYMAC, the Gymnastics Association of College Teams. And it's basically put together by a group of coaches that have kind of been in a very similar situation that I'm in, had 
NCAA varsity programs that dropped, and they wanted to kind of maintain their their collegiate team at a club level. And there wasn't really a place for them. They would compete against NCAA teams as kind of a, an add-on. Maybe maybe you got a dual meet with Michigan. It's like, hey, Arizona State, you want to come up and make it a try meet? Sure. And they would be they would be there and they would enjoy the experience, but you know, uh, they they couldn't necessarily compete. But what's happened is now there's 12 of these GMAC teams around the country. Iowa dropped last year. We dropped last year. We're two of the newest GMAC teams, and we both competed at the Windy City and uh, did a really good thing. And, and you know, what it does, Max, is a there's a lot of kids out there that want to go and compete collegiately. And unfortunately, with a few number of NCAA programs, there's not a lot of opportunities, not a lot of roster spots out there. And as as the world moves forward, roster limits and decreased opportunities for guys and non-revenue sports continues to happen. So Jim Act is just providing new opportunities for kids that maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity at the college level. So I'm really excited about the idea of, of being able to do that. Can you stand with us for a quick break? So I want to ask you about that. If that is the future of non-revenue sports, that at some point in time here, uh, college sports will be about the big sports that make a lot of money and everybody else be on their own. Now, they can compete, they can do it, but they're going to have to raise their own finances to do it. Conceptually, should that be on the table? We'll ask Mike Burns when we come back on Sports to the Max. To do it. Conceptually, should that be on the table? We'll ask Mike Burns when we come back on Sports to the Max. Welcome back. Mike Burns, my guest, former... Men's Gymnastics Coach, University of Minnesota, still coaching their club team. Mike, is there is there still hope that gymnastics, tennis could get reinstated? Um, that, is there still a groundswell or some momentum out there, people working behind the scenes at all to try to bring it back to Minnesota? Uh, in a short answer, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's going to be a tough nut to crack for sure, but there are we do have a group that we put together called the Minnesota Athletics Alliance. It's uh, representatives from gymnastics, tennis, and indoor track and field that are, you know, still pretty upset about what happened and kind of kind of blindsided by it. Um, you know, maybe the writing was on the wall just from a general standpoint of college athletics in general, but specifically here at Minnesota, um, you know, it was kind of a kind of a hard pill to swallow. And um, you know, we we've been trying to get an audience with the Board of Regents and just explain some of the ways that we could possibly look at alternative ways of funding these programs, and which is kind of, I think, a segue into some of the conversation we're going to have in a little bit about uh, a new model for college athletics, because college athletics has turned into a huge business, as you know. I mean, if you'd, be, you'd still be doing what you do, Maxie, but you'd be doing probably not covering sports the way you do, but you'd be covering the big sports, right? Yeah. But uh, it's but not everybody is seven foot two and can do a jump, you know, dunk a ball. And not everybody's, uh, you know, three hundred pounds and can can push the front line, you know, into the end zone. So it's, you know, what about the other sports that are built for different types of people? You know, mm-hmm. gymnasts, gymnasts are more slightly built. You know, they're they're smaller guys, and uh, it's a great sport. Wrestling, same thing. Track and field. You know, all these sports are great opportunities and and great ways to bring the message that the University of Minnesota is a phenomenal place, you know, and um, all these kids that have had the experience of being here, uh, they've loved their time here. Uh, unfortunately, these three sports, you know, they, they kind of been a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth and sure. it's going to be hard to convince them to make donations to the alumni association once they're done. Right. It's just uh, yeah. not a, 
But that wasn't a great situation, unfortunately. And we didn't really have an opportunity to, uh, you know, get our stories out there. I mean, we had we had a, you know, a campus march, and we had uh, some people speak, and you know, got on the news, and it was a big deal for a while. But like a lot of news items these days, it's an emotional spike, and then it goes away. That's absolutely what happens. It's very difficult and, to maintain something like that. if you don't get it done right away. It's hard to get it done. But you know, when we talk about the model of what could make it work. Would it be possible to take your non-revenue sports, and when I say non-revenue, this is different than what um, uh, the the the, um, the traditional. I don't know. I'm going to call it the model, but it, but non-revenue means the sport doesn't make money. That the, the expenses are more than the revenue that, that that comes in against it. Would it be possible to take those sports and make them put them on a regional schedule so the travel would be minimized, and and still get what kids want out of it, meaning to compete. And if you did that and they said, that's fine, you have to raise the money, uh, is that possible? Can you sustain yourself? Can, is there enough money to be raised that, that, that sports could sustain themselves without the help of the university or the football program? That's the, that's the $64,000 question. And um, I think, again, we talked about the emotional spike of things like that. So when – when all this happened, you know, we went out and talked to our alumni, track went out and talked to our alumni, go to tennis, and, and there was like a groundswell of, of support. Now, one of the things that Mark Coyle said, which I don't disagree with, is like this, is it sustainable? You know, because after a while, you, you lose the emotional spark, and you go, oh, i got to write this $1,000 check again to yeah. help save the sport, right? And and like any kind of pledging situation, it, it drops off. You know, the, the uh, compliance with your, your 10-year pledge will maybe drop off a little bit so yeah i mean that's a that's a fair question and but are there other 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 ways to fund a program for instance um could we develop and create and build a gymnastics club program that is a business you know a for-profit business and part of the profits go to funding the collegiate team and the collegiate team trains in this facility and it's run by gymnastics-minded people, and it happens to be affiliated with the university, and it may not necessarily be, in quotes, owned by the university, if, if you catch my drift. So, you know, But, but then, then could you literally, like they do in club gymnastics, just charge the participants and say, here's, here's what's going to cost you to participate? I mean, I mean, then you wouldn't have to continuously fundraise, although you keep fundraising, but in essence it would be, you know, uh, a pay to play. First, you have to qualify, perhaps, to be good enough to be on the team. But once you did that, here's what it cost. Yeah, it would be basically a it would be a, a revenue generating stream based on the business model of running a gymnastics club. And there's a lot of successful gymnastics clubs out there that make a lot of money. Yes, know? there are. And they got a lot of mind, buddy. <laughs> tap into the community in your area to to do this. Now, if you look at the at the a five-mile radius of the University of Minnesota. There really is not a gymnastics program in that area, so it's kind of a it's kind of a dead zone for gymnastics. So if we were to kind of build something close to the university, because space space on the university, as you know, is like at a premium. They had a hard time finding a place to put that track and field, right? Yeah. And so is there a place? You know, and you go out Westgate, you know, down University Ave on the light rail out by two eighty. There's there's a lot of you know, industrial space out there that, that has potential. I've looked at some of it, you know. So so these are things that are creative ways to solve a problem. Now, there's other ways to solve problems, and you just cut a sport. That's not a very creative way to do it. It's kind of 
kind of surgical and it's it's uh it's done you know and it leaves it leaves a wake of really unhappy people in in its in its path and and you know i, I want i want to leave i want to leave my time at the university of minnesota happy about the time i spend here i really do and i'm having a little trouble with that right now i can understand uh i, I got two uh, two quick gymnastics questions before we let you go the, the club level is an expensive level for kids, and I don't know how you bridge the gap at the younger ages, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10-year-old, where, where you've got to get involved in gymnastics and, and, and make it an urban sport, too, because the clubs, it, it costs too much money at the clubs. It costs too much money for a lot of people, and they run them year-round, and, they, and, and pretty soon it becomes like this mandatory thought that you have to be there, you know, five days a week, year-round, if you're going to get to level 9 and all these things. Yeah, yeah, yep. You know what I speak, and yeah. I, I've invested a lot. Um, uh, is there anything that could be like, done? It sounds like maybe you have a kid in gymnastics. I, I got one. I was at a meet last night, and she's in high school now, and I'm going to a meet tomorrow. And, and well, I'll, I'll ask another question in a second, but is there anything that could be done so that more kids would have more opportunities from more areas of the city? Well, wouldn't it be great? if the PE programs in the public schools were to bring something like this back and tapping into the tapping into the expertise that we have in the Minnesota men's gymnastics program and the Minnesota women's gymnastics program. And you, and you kind of bring back PE, which is kind of a thing. Passing. You know, when I was in elementary school and junior high, we always had a gymnastics section. I was like, I was just pumped when that would happen because I was a pretty nimble kid. You know, I didn't get into gymnastics till I was in high school, but growing up and in PE stuff, that was what you looked forward but, to. But these kids would need more than that, right? Because you'd be compete. You're competing against kids that are doing 20, 25 hours a week. True, but at a young age, Mike, you can get these kids. And, and the USA Gymnastics has put together a kind of a club uh, club track, which is like, can you get into a gym and compete within three months of getting in there? And the, the, and they've kind of they've kind of brought it down to a very basic level. You know, kind of like soccer. You can you can get some kids together to play soccer, and within you know, a couple of weeks they're playing a soccer game, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's what's difficult about our sport because it's a long-term uh, developmental process. But can you get kids who kind of want to have fun? They, they're, they're pretty, you know, aggressive kids in terms of their ability to have some courage and their physical attributes. And, you know, they can, they can have some fun with it. The other thing that's going on in, in USA Gymnastics is they're using, a lot of gyms are using these uh, ninja courses where they're, you know, all these obstacle courses which teach kids how to climb, how to jump, how to roll, how to how to swing around like like monkeys at the jungle gym. You know, you when we were young, we did that stuff, right? Yep. Yep, and, and the last question I have for you before I let you go is, I have always thought that gymnastics, as I've studied it for many, many years now when you write those checks, right? But, but it, it is one of the great sports about teaching kids to deal with fear because it's just you. You could get embarrassed, you could fall, you could get hurt. And so you have to manage emotionally through that. And I've often thought as I watched it that that's the great takeaway from gymnastics is that for the rest of your life, you you learn, at least you learn uh, one methodology for how to deal with fear because it is you under the microscope in the spotlight and it's scary. Is that one of the great takeaways that, that, that kids have to manage through that, and it, it's it's great for the rest of their lives? Without a doubt. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, actually, and it's and, and every sport teaches things that are really valuable, you know, and it's certainly not just gymnastics, but 
there's a lot of complicated maneuvers in our sport, and it requires it's kind of thinking man sport. Not that not that every sport isn't, but you got to be on top of your game, and you got to have enough courage to be able to kind of take things to the next level. But it does really have the the ability to make people understand how to manage not only fear but adversity in life and you know it's just kind of a microcosm of life in general right okay i'm having trouble with this particular skill i'm a little bit afraid of it i have to flip around twice and twist and do all this stuff before i land on the floor on my feet huh so it's complicated so you got to go through the proper progressions the coaches have to be sure they're not pushing kids too fast to stuff that they're not quite ready for that's that's where fear builds up when when kids get asked to do things that they don't they don't feel they're quite ready for and that's where the co- a really good coach has to come in and go you're right you're not ready for this let's do this drill a little bit more so you get comfortable with the, sure. with the action of it but then there's a point where you gotta you gotta pull the ripcord you know and yep. you gotta go you you are ready yeah uh, some of these kids i'm coaching in the gym act team these these uh young freshman kids you know they're not they're not the highest level kids but they got enthusiasm they got passion and they're learning stuff because we're doing it the right way all right thank you very much i appreciate it very much keep us updated on what's going on i sure will maxi it's been a great pleasure talking with you i love what you do and you've just been an icon in the in the twin cities area for so long and it's like i feel like i'm talking to royalty <laughs> i don't i don't hear that often at home thank <laughs> I remember that. Thank you, Mike. We'll be in touch. Keep doing what you're doing, okay? Appreciate it, Mike. You bet. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 